Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. Wide to the left. Brady looking the other way. Brady going deep down the right sideline for Evans. He makes the catch. He's in for the score. Keep it alive. Brady's going to hand it off. It's Fournette. He's going to take it to the end zone. Stafford. Deep down field. He's got cup again. He's at the 10. Stafford says, let's get down there. we got to, we got to clock it. we got to get the field goal. Clock running down. They have time. 30 yards to win the game. Skinny teeth deep. Al, Wind up all it. three games so far, a walk-off field. Goal. Yes. All three. Yes. All right, welcome into the program. We've reached the end of a really fun Bucks run, Luke, right? Five straight playoff wins, including a Super Bowl played in Tampa Bay, of all places. Uh, but this is where the run officially ends on a failed comeback from not 28-3, to but 27-3. to That uh, somehow, against all odds, almost happened. I, I just... I could not believe that it was 27 to 27. That the Bucks played so poorly especially in that first half, but they almost pulled that thing off. It's it's the end of a of a really fun kind of epic run by the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, definitely not the uh the end that uh, anybody wanted down here in Tampa Bay, but I the fact that they were even, you know, the fact that that game ended up tied with with them, you know, less than a minute to go is just ridiculous. Look at all the injuries they had. Crazy. Look at everything they had to overcome. How how badly they played for three and a half quarters in that game against one of the best teams in the NFL. And still, after all that, I mean, to put yourself in a position to win that game, they didn't get it done. And and that's you know, it's team game. You got to You got to play sixty minutes and all the all the other cliches. But man, they they gave whoever stayed. They gave them something to cheer about there at the end. And, and it was just, I mean, just a crushing defeat. But what a ridiculous ridiculous comeback that that unfortunately will live in infamy instead of uh instead of being a happy moment yeah we talked last week about all the reasons why the rams were scary and kind of a a bad matchup and a lot of those played out we'll talk about that here coming up Uh, but it just turns out you know as tom brady probably knows luke you know he's played in 10 super bowls he's won seven of them he's only gone back to back once and that was actually the last time it was way back 2003 2004 with the patriots back when tom was in the earliest stages of his career right you think of all the teams that had a chance to go back-to-back. Like, the Steelers had some good teams early in Ben Roethlisberger's career, right? The Giants won a couple Super Bowls. The Packers had some nasty teams around 2010, that area, when they won. The Chiefs, the Patriots, you know, a decade later with Brady. Uh, none of those teams went back-to-back, except for that one Patriots team, 2003 to 2004. So it turns out, even when you have the band back together, it's not easy to do, to pull that, that feet off. It just shows you how how tough it really is to get that thing done. It is really tough. And, and it's also because the band wasn't together by the end. You know, I, there was so many guys missing and hurt, you know, obviously having Chris Godwin gone and Tristan Wirfs out for that game. And, 
JPP is a shell of, of himself, right? Trying to play with that shoulder injury. He's just not the same player. And I mean, just, you know, the whole Antonio Brown thing, he was gone. And there's just, it wasn't the same team, uh, unfortunately, that, that they did bring back. And, and again, even, even through all of that, they were able to play garbage football for three and a half quarters, play really good football for, for a quarter and a half, and still give themselves a chance to keep going. It was, it was wild. The Tom Brady voodoo factor, man. It's nice to have that on your side, right? All of a sudden, snaps are going you know, over the There's quarterback's There's no other head. explanation. Like, yeah, that it's, was it's the voodoo. moment. That was the moment, yeah. Ryan, where like, man, I would love to get my hands on that contract he signed with the devil. I just want to <laughs> read it. I just want to read it. I'll give it back. I just want to read it. Yeah, but, but salt in the wound right now is the commentary around Tom Brady and his future. And is he going to be back in Tampa Bay? We know he's under contract for 2022. We just don't know if he's going to come back. Uh, there is some doubt. He he posted a lengthy Facebook post. He's been on his podcast talking about this. Uh, just a clip from his Facebook post. Uh, quote, I understand that at this stage of my career, there's going to be interest in my future whenever a season ends. But this week, all that is on my mind is the gratitude I have for this team and the fans that have supported us all year long. And when you start using words like gratitude and stuff like that, Luke, it does get me a little worried, right? It does make me feel like retirement is actually on the table and we were talking before we started recording, and you feel like it's you know your gut is fifty fifty right now. So this is this is legit. Like maybe Brady's done. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it's on the table, and I think that I don't think that decision has been made. I, I don't even necessarily know that Brady himself knows which way he's leaning at this point. Um, but it's a very very real possibility that Bucks fans you know need to start need to start uh, processing and wrestling with. And if you honestly, when this started coming up about a week ago, right, it was, it was right. You know, leading up to the Rams game, some other national voices were starting to be like, eh, maybe there's more to this and, and there might be. And I was, I was not, all, not about it. I was like, that's not happening. They're just looking for stories and all this stuff. But the more I listen and the more I learn and the more, again, Brady just speaks for himself. I think if you if you look around at the reality of it, it has nothing to do with what he can do on the football field. It's not. You know, we go back to the things he said in the past about when I suck, I'll retire. And, you know, if I can't lead a team to a championship or get close, you know, like then I'll know I can step away and it's time for someone else to lead because maybe they can be the player to lead them if I can't be. And it's gone from that to uh, one of the quotes, I think, from his podcast the other night was, it's not always what I want. It's what we want as a family. And that's the big one to me is when he's admitting, listen, it's not just about whether or not I can do it at a high level, because that's what he said before. He said he'll retire when he can't do it. And that's not what it is now. It's, it's about more than that. And it's making, he's making it clear that that decision will be far more weighed in the, in the direction of what his family and, and he believes is best for their, their future and has nothing to do with the fact because, because people will look at it and say, Oh my God, how can you walk away? after leading the NFL in, in passing yards and passing touchdowns at 44 and you're still doing it at such a high level, how could you walk away after a loss? And the answer to that is that won't be as important, that none of that will matter if he and Giselle sit down and say, listen, this is we can't do this again. We can't go through another season. As a family, we are going to decide that this chapter is over and it's time to move on and go into that next chapter of our lives, which obviously – they need, you know, they should have the, the ability to do. And, and that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to have nothing to do with how well he can, he can play or whether or not he can survive another NFL season. I think clearly that's the case. He, he is playing as well as he ever has. Obviously knows how to take care of his body. Obviously the Bucks want him back. You know, obviously there's, there's nothing that will make him retire except for 
he and his wife getting together, his family, and deciding it's time now. It's time to to move on. It's time for you to just be a, a husband and a dad and a golfer and what you know whatever else you <laughs> yeah. want to find to be competitive. But that's that's frankly what it's going to come down to. And honestly, we should all be so lucky. You know, we should all be so lucky that we are in a position to be able to make that decision. And and everyone should respect that. I think that that it's not going to just be about football. It's going to be about a husband and a father making the best decision for his family. Uh, and, and that's not a, a solo decision. That's a decision that again is, is, has a lot of factors and football will be one of them, but it won't be the only one. Well, he is a smart man because all of us that are married with kids, you know, whenever we're asked to do anything, Luke, by anyone, we, we have to say, well, l- let me check with the boss, which is the one, yeah. right? So you got to check with Absolutely. super G if you're Tom. You're, so he's saying all the right things. He always does. He always tries to say the right things. Uh, the family thing is interesting. Like when he was at the end with the Patriots, he did the same thing with the family. And he was talking about, you know, I need to spend more time with my family. He put out that documentary, the Tom versus time documentary. He talked a lot about super G and the family and the kids growing up and all that. But he is in such an interesting situation where he's got the most amazing job that allows him to take center stage and just all, all eyeballs to be on him. He's kind of like, you know, the, if you not to be corny, but he's the man in the arena, right? We're all watching Tom Brady doing things that no one. Did he ever pay did. you to say that? <laughs> he should have. Man in the arena. That's ESPN Plus, right oh, there. Well, you told me to. You told me to watch that, and I have been uh, devouring that. It's been great. So uh, but you know, he he is the man. We're all watching him for six months, and yeah, he dedicates a lot during those six months. But then he also gets to spend the other six months with his family, right? I mean, he's got this really interesting job where it's not always you know, at the facility doing football things. It's, there is an off season and Tom gets more luxuries than, than I think probably any player would, you know, I'm sure the bucks would do, would bend in any which way. Oh, I need more time with my family. I don't want to go to OTAs. No problem, Tom. Right. Like, so that's got to play into this too. Right. I, I feel like my gut feeling, and I agree with you. It is 50, 50 here. I'm with you on that, but he always talked about 45 Luke, right? When he, even when he was, when he was with the Patriots, he talked about 45, He's there. He's one year away from going to 45, right? In August, he turns 45. He's got one more year left on his deal. That's been his number. He was probably the MVP this year, right? It's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers. But it, but at the end of the day, like Tom Brady, at his age, he didn't miss a game. He played all the way through. He was unbelievable at the end when you look at his stats at his age. He might have been the MVP at age 44. So to see him walk away now uh, – would be a little wild to see him just get right to the cusp of 45, but not quite finish that off. I have a feeling he's got one more in him. That's just, just a gut feel. If I, if I had to put money on one way or the other, it would be on him, him asking Giselle and saying, give me one more. Honey, please let me have one more. Give, give me one more. And he wouldn't say it publicly. He'll say what he always has said and say that, Oh, you know, we're going to reevaluate at the end of the season. And, you know, we'll see about my contract. He'll say all of that publicly because he's been open. He said it again Monday night. He doesn't want a farewell tour. He doesn't want the whole Derek Jeter. Every time you go to an opposing stadium, they have a standing ovation and some on the scoreboard and all that crap. He doesn't want that. He said it would be distracting and, and, and wouldn't want that type of thing. So he wouldn't make it public. But I think behind closed doors, if I had to guess, again, I have no insider information or anything. It, it would be that he – he would ask, you know, can we do it one more time? Can, can we go through this and let me for myself have one more time where I know this is it, where I know that I can savor this, you know, because honestly, to be honest, watching him walk off that field and watching him, you know, towards the end of the game, at the, uh, that did not look like a guy who was ready to give it up. 
and ready to savor and walk away. I mean, compare it to Drew Brees. I know we kind of knew he was going out, but like, I think even for himself, it, without letting it known publicly, I think he would want that time. I think he would want that ability to savor that. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I don't know him personally. I, I don't know. But I think if I had to put money on what he would like to do, I think it would be to get one more run and and, and see if he can see if he can go out on top again. But if not, just even for the fun of it, just to play the game. Because when you're done, you can't do it again. You can't. You can't do it. It's, it's especially at his. It is. I can't see him coming back at 47 and 48 after getting away from it. I, I don't see that happening. So I, I think he would want one more run where he knows it's it. And just, again, not, not for any other reason than to just play the game for another year. Give us one more, Tom. Tell Super G it's over after 45. I think if you give her an end date, she'd more, be more uh, receptive to it, Luke, instead of just like this open-ended thing where when sure. I suck, I'll retire. And I don't think he's ever going to suck. He, he just, no. it's just not, that's not Brady, man. We have no precedent for when that's no, going to happen. No, we're, we're still waiting for him to suck. Uh, and, you know, one thing that I, that I am happy about here, I think we'd feel different if we saw the Brady that we saw in that 9 nothing loss to the Saints late in the year where he just said, screw this. It started chucking the ball deep and, and pretty much gave up on the game. And we ripped Brady for that game. Uh, we didn't see that down 27-3 to against a tough opponent that's given the Bucks problems, right? We saw, you know, I, I am disappointed in how flat the Bucks came out on both sides of the ball early. I right. mean, that was, how frustrating was that? But for them to claw and battle and stay with it and for Brady to keep fighting down all those players they had on both sides of the ball to get it tied at 27, I mean... Brady didn't look like a guy that that lost his desire to fight and compete and win, right? So uh, I think you got to hang on to that comeback. I mean, twenty-eight to three. We never thought we'd see that again. Well, we we're pretty damn close. Twenty-seven to three. They erased that freaking deficit. It's crazy. Uh, but let's talk about that now, Luke. Like, what happened to the Bucks? Like, I mean, because if you told me the Rams are going to turn it over four times, uh, average two point four yards per rush, and go two for five in the red zone, I say the Bucks win that ten out of ten. Uh, but, you know, no matter how many times the Rams tried to choke this game away, and we talked about that last week, right? The Rams having that choky feel to them. They just felt like a team that wanted to choke and puke on themselves, no matter how good they are. And they tried, right? They gave the Bucks so many freaking chances when you look back at this. Uh, and it just, the Bucks just, it just took them too long to take advantage of it, right? Uh, so that was disappointing. What do you think happened to this team? Why did they come out so flat? I mean, honestly, it hurts. It hurts to say, but I, when when that happens, I look at the coaching staff first and and wonder. Yep. Not necessarily about the energy as much as I, the script sucked. I mean, it didn't work. You know, whatever it was, you know, you had blown assignments and miscommunication. But that's that's practice. That's during the week. You got to get on the same page. So you're. I mean, and you're at home. So there's no. There was no excuse for the the gaffes that we saw. In the key moments, again, for most of the first three quarters, there were just too many problems. But even with that last drive with the game on the line, you're not communicating properly and you're missing calls and you're slipping and falling down in man coverage against Cooper Cup, giving him the outside and not the inside where he could get tackled and run the clock down, at least set up on the outside leverage and make him cut inside. I don't, you know, so many, so many things that you look to the coaching staff first and say they did not prepare well enough for this game because because honestly it felt like at the end there it was just Tom's show that he was just like you know what screw this I'm gonna go run hurry up and call whatever the heck I want and that's really what I'll need not to take anything away from Byron left which I I 
think he's done really great over the last three years, and I really hope, I know we're going to get to this, that he does really well in Jacksonville if that's where he lands. But in this moment, in this game, I think the Bucks got outcoached first and foremost. And I think that players didn't execute well either. So uh, the great John McKay, uh, famous uh, first head coach in Bucks history, one of his great one of many great quotes from him back in the day was we uh, we didn't we didn't tackle very well today, but we made up for it by not blocking. <laughs> and that's exactly. kind of how it felt for three quarters. Is, you know, tough, they, didn't, they didn't coach very well, but they made up for it by not playing very well um, <laughs> for three quarters. And yeah. that's that's kind of how it felt, man. They came out flat in their own building and there's just no excuse for it. Everything on the line, the chance to host the NFC title game if you beat them. And I think they would have beat the 49ers. Um and, and a chance to go back to the Super Bowl, you cannot, cannot play like they did for three quarters at home. There's just no excuse for it, uh, and that's that's why they're at home. Yeah, I thought just just the body language out there, didn't they? The Bucks didn't look like they believed it early on in that game. They didn't look like they believed they were going to beat the Rams. It was just very – Tom, you know, he had that killer instinct later in the game, but early in the game, didn't it – you look at Tom's face, and it was almost like, we can't block him. We can't block these guys. It, that it, it almost felt like we, that's how Tom. And felt. we've talked about this over the last two years. This mental block when it comes to what two teams. The <laughs> Seriously, Bucks, playoff, but playoffs teams, included. Yes. Playoffs included. The Bucks have gone twenty nine and ten over the last two seasons. Obviously, by far the best two round two year stretch in their franchise's history. Twenty nine and ten. Oh, give they it are to me. One and seven <laughs> oh. against the Saints. And the freaking Rams. That's unreal. That, what that a stat. Divisional playoff win against the Saints last year. That was it. Seven of those ten losses over the last two years have come to those two teams. Oh, what a stat. And they looked, they looked in those first three quarters like a team who, like you said, did not believe that they could beat them. That is such a stat. And and when you, going back to the coaching, at such an elementary level, like I could be the Bucks head coach, stand in front of him and say, guys, we got to cover Cooper Cup on big third downs or big situations. When the Rams have to get a play, who are they going to go to? Not OBJ, right? It's like you, you it's bracket cup. him. You it's go cup. high and low. You have man coverage underneath. You have a safety over the top so that the corner can cheat and stay underneath him and not let him get away because they know they have the safety help. Every play, literally for the entire entire game. Why are you why are you blitzing the best blitz quarterback in the NFL this year? Instead of just doing what you did to Patrick Mahomes last year and just putting both the safeties back there bracketing Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey and saying, beat me some other way, and they couldn't do it. I don't know why the game plan wasn't the exact same for this game. After all that work by the Rams to choke that game away and all the work by the Bucks to get it tied, Stafford hits Cup twice for 64 yards on the final drive to get the field goal. It is, that is, we're, gonna, we're, ne- we're never going to get over that, right? Bucks fans are going to be, they're going to be chewing on that for a whole offseason. That is that is hard to swallow, that it was Cooper Cup. We, we didn't think to cover Cooper Cup. Uh, so frustrating. Tough loss for the Bucks. A fun run. <laughs> a fun game. Fun game to watch and cover, for sure, but uh, brutal ending. What's next? What's next for 2022? We, we talked about Brady. The Bucks have a lot of key free agents, too. It doesn't feel like we'll have the band completely back together again. Luke and I will talk about that right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slipping Podcast, presented by SportsBookWire.usatoday.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's NFC Championship matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. 
Our friends, Tipico Sportsbook, have the Rams favored three and a half points and the total sitting at 45 and a half. I'm on the total in this game. Um, The total has gone under three of the last four Niners-Rams meetings. More money is on the under. More of the public is on the over. Typically, you want to follow the money and fade the public when sports gambling. So give me under 45 and a half. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? So Jimmy G sits 20th in completions over 20 yards, and the 49ers are 1-3 over under as road dogs. Couple that with a strong Rams defense, and I'll also be taking the under 45-and-a-half. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Luke, give me the theme for the 2022 Bucks. right? This year, uh, they kept the band together. They went for two. Uh, in the end, we'll have to settle for the five playoff wins, one Lombardi in two years. Still pretty damn good. I think when we look back on it, that's a pretty damn good run. But you look at this list of... Uh, a free agents for the Bucks that they have to uh, address with only what is it, twenty two, twenty three million in cap space projected, and this is a daunting list, right? Chris Godwin, we've talked about him; he's got to be a top priority coming off the knee surgery. But like starters all over the place, right? Your weak side edge, JPP. Your starting center, Ryan Jensen. Your starting right guard, and Alex Kappa. Indomitian Sue, starting defensive end. Gronk, your starting tight end. Lenny Fournette. Carlton Davis, your best corner. Jordan Whitehead, your starting free safety. Like These guys are all unrestricted free agents. Uh, the Bucks have a lot of work to do, right? And, and that's not to mention role players, key guys, Aaron Stinney, Rojo. You throw O.J. Howard in there if you want. These guys are all unrestricted free agents on top of Brady mulling over his future, right? So this is a, a very uncertain offseason we're heading into for the Bucks. Yeah, it's uh, the theme, and we talked about this off the air before we got on. It's it's going to feel, I think, a lot like the Tampa Bay Lightning this past offseason, and, and Tampa Bay sports fans will know what I mean, in that they won the Stanley Cup two years ago against Dallas, did some you know salary cap wizardry uh, to keep basically the entire team together, not just that, but add a couple other pieces at the trade deadline as well, and basically were able to go for two and they, they, they succeeded by keeping everybody together uh, and making that happen. But that this past off season, that bill came due uh, and they lost their entire third line, like three starters, if you will, uh, that were huge in that, in that back-to-back cup run for them. Cause there's just not at some point, there's not enough money to go around and you got to make hard choices. And they had some younger players that, you know, had earned earned those roles and, and needed a shot. But that's I think that's kind of what the Bucks are going to look like this offseason. They, they can't afford to keep everybody. So what do you do? You have to start prioritizing. And obviously that starts with Chris Godwin, 26 years old, prime of his career, leading receiver in, in receiving yards and, and receptions, even though he missed the last three or four games. Um, and not to cut ridiculous. you off, Luke, but like Chris Godwin, if Brady's coming back, he, he's going to need his weapons. He wants his guys. Godwin's got to be way up there on the list. Yeah, that's that's non-negotiable. If yeah. you know, if you want any chance that he's going to return, Godwin has to be a part of that. He is, if if not Brady, he is the most important part of this offense. Period, and not just the passing game because of his ability to block. Uh, and at that slot position, you're you're basically a tight end in the blocking game because you're lining up closer to the line to, to the line of scrimmage there. But but yeah, he he is one of the most important pl- parts of this entire team on both sides of the ball. And again, in, in the prime of his career. 
he he gets the 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 first bite. I, I think the Bucks will do whatever it takes to lock him in. I expect a four year deal, first two years guaranteed, which has kind of become pretty much the norm for for most guys in that situation when they get that second contract. Um, but I expect it to be somewhere in the twenty million dollars range yep. per year, and that takes out most of that money. So <laughs> there's the projected cap space right there. Yeah. So then you're looking at what, you know, you're looking at Carlton Davis, I think, which, which becomes the second, but because you're talking about a, he's premium position B prime, prime age, 26. Um, and your, your, your best player at that position, the franchise tag for that spot, I think is somewhere around 17 million. So you're already talking about needing to <laughs> think about where some money is going to go before you're even getting to anyone else. I think Brian Jensen's probably the next yeah, guy on that our list. center. We need him back to the center. Yeah. Pro bowl center, <laughs> yeah, pro bowl yeah, center at the yeah, time of his very career. Important so, player. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know what else to say other than to say the bucks will keep as many as they can, but that won't be very many because there's just not enough money to go around. So start, Start preparing your emotions now, guys. This yeah. is a fun couple of years, but this, this team is going to look a lot different next year. Uh, it's almost a more fascinating offseason because we know that there's going to be some pieces moving here and, and how that works out. We'll be on top of it as we go. Make sure we're checking Bucks wire as well. And uh, another guy you mentioned, maybe the, the offensive coordinator could be on the move. Uh, sounded like Byron Leftwich was going to be hired by the Jags. Now it's unofficial. Maybe by the time this podcast drops, Luke, he'll he'll be officially the head coach of the Jags. But give me you know give me a couple minutes on Leftwich and him getting that opportunity with Jacksonville. It always made the most sense, right? Him going to Jacksonville, you know, you got to be excited for him. But then it sounds like Bruce Arians would be your play caller, so so that changes a lot. Not only is Bruce going to be back, you know, he's getting pretty uh, what's the saying, long in the tooth. He's he's not he's not a spring chicken either. Sounds like Bruce will be back. He might be calling the plays next year. Yeah, yeah, we talked to Bruce on Monday, and he was pretty adamant. He was like, yeah, that's, mo-, you know, Byron's gone. It seems, I think, most likely is what he said, that he would be the play caller at 70 years old. So that season. means 100%. So, yeah, right. So, um, but, you know, honestly, first of all about Byron, absolutely well-earned. I mean, Bruce has said from the beginning that he was, you know, destined for, for that type of job. And if you look at the numbers, the, over the last three seasons, the Bucks have had the best offensive three-year run in their entire history, and that was Jameis Winston. It was Tom Brady. You know, obviously, you had a lot of weapons, but a lot of credit goes to Byron Leftwich for his ability to navigate those superstars and and navigate an offense that requires a lot of the quarterback and to prepare his guys to to put up the numbers they did over the last two years to ma- to navigate that relationship with Tom Brady because that's not easy. A lot of people, I think, had this idea that Brady shows up and all oh, the offensive coordinators got it made. You don't need to do anything. I think it's the other way around. I think it's a, a huge challenge to coach that guy <laughs> and to be, you know, someone who has to kind of mold an offense with a legend like that and work together. A guy who is older than you <laughs> and, and and a guy that was your contemporary as a quarterback in this league. I think there are a lot of challenges there. And obviously he no navigated doubt. those very well. Tom Brady had nothing but great things to say about him over the last two years. And he has obviously earned that. Obviously, I love it going back to Jacksonville where, where he was a top 10 pick uh, out of Marshall. I, I love that for their fans. I love that for that team. I love it for Trevor Lawrence. And I think it would be huge for him in, in his development to have a, a young coach to grow with like that. What it means for the Bucks remains to be seen because another, another aspect, it's not just losing your offensive coordinator. He's going to want to build a staff too. So unless you can make – you know, Kevin Garver, the wide receivers coach, or, or any of those other guys, unless you're promoting them to offensive coordinator, which I don't see. I think, honestly, Harold Goodwin 
who's the assistant head coach and the run game coordinator, who was Bruce's OC in Arizona for four years. He would probably take that title, even if he's not calling the plays. That would be my guess, because honestly, behind the scenes, I think he's probably the, the, the replacement for Bruce. Uh, I think he is the successive, the succession plan down the road when Bruce decides to walk away, and I love that succession plan. Uh, I think Harold Goodwin is, is a, a great head coach in waiting. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if Byron gets that job, how he kind of tries to pilfer through the assistance on the Buck staff on the defensive side too. He'll probably want Larry Foote, the outside linebackers coach, to be his defensive coordinator. So if the Bucks lose Todd Bowles, do they then try to offer Larry that job to keep him from going to Jacksonville? Some of these guys are under contract too, so Byron won't be able to get them anyway. So a lot of moving parts here. One one thing I will point out, though, is if either Byron Leftwich or Todd Bowles, who has a couple interviews still, I think he's in running for the Raiders job in particular, if either of those guys gets hired, you know, I, I'll, I'll be critical all day long about how the NFL continues to fail uh, black coaches and general managers in this league. Um, but one of the things they did do to try to in- incentivize teams to, to develop those guys and to give them more opportunities was the Bucks will get two third-round draft picks if either of those guys get one of those jobs. So they will get a, a third-round compensatory pick in this year's draft and next year's draft if either of them get a head coaching job. And then if both of them do, they'll get an additional one in two or three years, I think. So a um, little bit of a kickback for the Bucks, a little bit of an incentive there. But uh, it will be very interesting to see how the dust settles if one or both of those guys end up moving on as to how that coaching staff will look next season. Yeah, that's an interesting little piece of info that I think I, I, I that was probably in the back of my head bouncing around somewhere, but I d- didn't even I wasn't even thinking about that. The comp picks that you get in return, that's an interesting note. And yeah, I mean... Byron might, uh, if he goes to Jacksonville, he might poach some pl- uh, some players too. You know, look at look at your list. Of, you got to remember that. Like, you know, we were talking about Alex Kappa, right? Like, some of these free agents. Like, maybe he would poach them too and bring them over to Jacksonville with him. So that's that's all also something we have to watch if Byron moves on. Yeah, and we talked before off the air about Kappa making the most sense, right? I think he's he's a guy that will will definitely get more money somewhere else than the Bucks will probably be able to afford. And I think part of that is because you mentioned Aaron Stinney as well, who is not a starter, but has started for this team in key games and key moments and has proven he's a starting caliber player. He'll be a lot cheaper to keep than Alex Kappa. It will be because of his lack of experience comparatively. And so I think the Bucks ultimately, I don't think they'll be able to afford to keep Kappa and, and him going to Jacksonville makes perfect sense for a team that needs to protect that young quarterback and needs to retool that offensive line. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, man. So it's going to be a really fascinating, fun offseason. Like I said, keep an eye on Bucks Wire. We'll be back throughout the offseason. When when news breaks about the Bucks. Luke and I will be back to record some episodes. Uh, But, you know, I just want to thank all the listeners for joining us all season. And, Luke, I want to thank you, man, showing up every single week, bringing the knowledge, making it fun. Uh, it's been a it's been a fun ride for us covering this team for two years on the podcast, right? We we started last year when Brady got here, basically, and uh, it's been a fun ride. And I've really enjoyed doing the show with you, man. We've we both had you know plenty going on with our families. I know I I had a kid. My my wife had a kid. <laughs> We've hooked a baby into the world this year during the season. So it's been a wild ride, but uh, it's been a lot of fun doing the show, man. Thanks for showing up every single week. Hey, the feeling is mutual, man. It's been been a ton of fun. Look forward to uh, to keeping it going in the future. Hopefully, hopefully Brady sticks around and we can cover uh, at least one more uh, pretty pretty awesome season here. But uh, either way, this is an exciting team with tons of talent on both sides of the the ball, and hopefully, this two year run has put them back in that national conversation uh, to stay for a little while, regardless of what Brady decides to do and makes it into a destination. If Brady's not back. 
who's to say Russell Wilson's not the quarterback in Tampa Bay let's next go. year? Let's go. Uh, so let's, let's talk about that hint, hint for uh, some content coming up at Buckswire this week about, uh, about my, my wish list for if that happens. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's been, it's been absolutely a blast. Love doing the show with you. Uh, and can't wait to keep it going. Yeah, keep your eyes on Buckswire. We'll be back throughout the offseason. As soon as news breaks with Brady or some of these big free agents, Luke and I will be back to break it all down. Appreciate you, and uh, we will catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.